Most people see death as the end, the end of life, the end of their human experience. But for the believer, death isn't the end, but a beginning. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah continues to explore this often misunderstood subject, looking at death not as a somber final destination, but a brief transition to be celebrated. To introduce the conclusion of his message, If We Die, here's David. You know, I have in front of me a copy of our study guide. I'm so proud of these documents because I know how much they've helped people over the years. And one of the ways this can be very valuable to you is if you're in a small group, get the study guides for every member of your group. They're not expensive. You can get them from Turning Point. And then get the CD package that you can also order from davidjeremiah.org. You can listen to the lessons. You can read the study guide material. You can go to your study guide as the facilitator and get everybody involved in discussing all these critical subjects. And when they find out that the Bible has something to say about that, it's such a wonderful thing. And I hope you will take advantage of it. You can go to our website. You can order the study guides that you need, order the CD package, and plan your agenda for your next small group. I hope you'll do that. This is a great way to internalize this material. Well, friends, we're going to get started now with uh, this next edition of Turning Point. As you open your Bibles with me, let's study God's Word together and ask Him to really make it applicable to our lives, even to the point of conviction. Let's do it. The prince of death has been defeated. The power of death has been destroyed. Here's the third one. The process of death has been described. Everywhere you go today, people want to know what's going to happen after a person dies. And all these wonderful books have been written by people who've come back from the grave. I don't know what to think about most of those. I'm sure you don't either. Some of them, I believe, some of them, I think, have been for good book sales. But I don't have to read some modern book to know what happens when you die because the Bible tells me. And I want to tell you a little story here that will help you understand what I mean. Jesus told this story in the 16th chapter of the book of Luke. And it offers a penetrating view of what happens after death. In fact, it may tell us more about life after death than any passage in the scripture. Here's the story. It's a parable Jesus told concerning two men. One rich and one poor. Now, the poor man's name, we know. It was Lazarus. And we don't know the rich man's name, but we do know something about his lifestyle because Jesus tells us that this rich man wears the finest clothing, he eats the finest food, he has had the best, and he has let everyone know about it, even the beggars who lie at his gates trying to get some of the crumbs that he might drop to them. The poor man, Lazarus, who hopes to be thrown a few crumbs from the bountiful table, is not only hungry, but the scripture tells us, and this is pretty gross, that he's very ill, covered with sores, and the town dogs lick the sores on his body. He is one miserable creature living a miserable existence. Now watch. Lazarus does possess one thing that no one can take away from him. And that is his love for God. The rich man possesses one thing he can't keep, his life. Now, in the story Jesus tells, both men die. 
And on the other side of the gate that separates this life from eternity, the beggar Lazarus is carried by heavenly angels to the bosom of Abraham. Now he is kissed by the angels instead of licked by the dogs. The Bible just says that the rich man died. Did you know that when a believer dies, the angels come and carry that believer to God? I remember as a young pastor, I used to hear people say that to me. I would go and visit when someone had died, and they'd say, well, yeah, the angels came and took her. And I always thought in the back of my mind, yeah, right. Hope that makes you feel better, you know. (laughs) And then one day I was reading, and I realized they are right. That is exactly what happens. When any of us who are believers pass from this life to the next, Almighty God dispatches angels to convey us into his presence. We won't simply be beamed up to heaven. We will be carried there by the angels. And this passage provides one of the euphemisms we employ for death. We say the angels took him. It may sound like a cliche from some Victorian greeting card. But it's the biblical truth as applied to believers in Christ. On the day when you wait for the curtains to be drawn on this life, God's messengers stand ready to bear you away on life's ultimate journey. On that journey, Christians will experience none of the travel worries we face. You won't get lost. I'm very thankful for that one. (laughs) You won't miss the bus. There's no waiting for the next plane. God has a special angel assigned to bring you home. And in the face of such assurance, why should you be afraid? (laughs) The prince of death has been defeated. The power of death has been destroyed. The process of death has been described. And finally, the picture of death has been developed. This final one is resting its case on one verse of scripture that is the memory verse here's the verse yea though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I will fear no evil for you are with me your rod and your staff they comfort me Psalm 23 4 on December 7th 1941 Peter Marshall, who was the chaplain of the United States Senate, was speaking to the cadets at Annapolis. And if you remember the date, it was the day of infamy because Pearl Harbor was happening and it now lay in the flames of an enemy attack. The room was filled with young men who would soon give their lives sacrificially. He told them the story of a dying child, a little boy with a disease who was afraid of dying and this little boy asked his mother what is it like to die does it hurt and the mother thought for a while and then she said honey do you remember when you were smaller and you played very hard and you fell asleep on your mommy's bed but the next morning you awoke to find yourself somehow in your own bed Your daddy had come along and with his big strong arms had lifted you, undressed you, put you in your pajamas as you slept. And then she said, honey, that's what death is like. It's like waking up in your own room. Like this little boy, most of us are curious about the process of death. And there's no verse of scripture that gives us more comforting 
information about it than Psalm 23, 4. And that's why we love this whole psalm. The sheer beauty of this passage never fails to move us. I am certain that this verse has been read at more funerals than any other verse in the Bible. Its poetic phrases teach us several things. Here's what the verse teaches us. Three things. Number one, that death is a journey, not a destination. The Bible says, yea, though I walk through the valley. In the shepherd's psalm, David sees death not as a destination, but as a journey through a place with God's hand in ours. We go through death to a place, but death itself is not the destination. Death is just the process through which we go. My friend Rob Morgan has written a wonderful book on Psalm 23, and in the fourth verse he describes this in this way. He says, death does not speak of a cave or a dead-end trail. It's a valley, which means it has an opening on both ends, and the emphasis on through, which indicates a temporary state, a transition, a brighter path ahead, a hopeful future. For Christians, problems are always temporary and blessings are always eternal, as opposed to non-Christians whose blessings are always temporal and whose problems are always eternal. <laughs> Valleys don't go on forever, and the road ahead is always bright for the child of God, as bright as his promises. Death isn't a place that you go to, it's a place you go through to the other side. That's why Paul said, absent from the body and present with the Lord, indicating that the two conditions are one in the same. One man has observed that death is an exit gate and heaven is an entrance. But the two are arranged so closely that one opens as the other shuts. One person says that a dying man is lying at the gates of death. And another says, no, he's lying at the gate of heaven. And they're both right. <laughs> because death is simply a passage through to life forever with God. Most of the time, if we were accurate, we would say we're not afraid of death. We're just afraid of dying because we're afraid of what it's like, what the process is. But dying for a believer is not anything for us to fear. First of all, the angels come and get us, and it's only a temporary moment that we walk through to the other side. Number two, here's my favorite thing in this whole message. Death is a shadow, not a reality. The Bible says it this way, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. When I was growing up, my father was a pastor of a church in Toledo, Ohio. The church was growing and they didn't have enough room and so they didn't have any place where they could go and get a bigger church and they didn't have enough money to start over and so they found an old mansion that was for sale out on the edge of town. It was in pretty good shape and they went and they bought this mansion which included a number of buildings but a rather large building and then the church built sort of an auditorium on the end of it and it became the Emanuel Baptist Church of Toledo, Ohio. I was a young boy then, maybe about six or seven or eight. 
the manse or the parsonage as they used to call it was on the second floor of a 10-car garage behind the big mansion itself we lived up on the second floor underneath was this garage this humongous 10-car garage and my job as a young boy one of my chores was I had to take out the garbage every night well there was only one little light in that garage a little light bulb hanging from the ceiling and it was dark as it could be and it was one scary spooky place I had to go down the stairs carrying the garbage and get from the front of the garage all the way to the back and put the garbage out and I believe to this day that I set some world records of speed going through the garage from one end to the other because it was really frightening to me the light cast the shadows in spooky ways and then kind of would move and oh, I still remember it you can tell this made quite an impression on me but you see the next day I would get up and I'd go down there and play sometimes and there was nothing to be afraid of there was nothing there it was just a shadow listen to this Donald Gray Barnhouse one of the great teachers of another generation was driving home from the funeral of his first wife and he had his children with him and they were overwhelmed with grief as he sought some way to comfort his children as they were at the corner a huge moving van passed them and its shadow swept over them. and Dr. Barnhouse said children would you rather be run over by a truck or by its shadow and of course they said the shadow it's harmless he said let me tell you something kids two thousand years ago the truck ran over Jesus Christ in order that only the shadow would have to run over us isn't that a great thought the truck ran over Jesus Christ he suffered the death so that only the shadow has to run over us the Bible says death is a shadow not a reality no longer is it true that we have to be afraid for Jesus said and I quote it again I am the resurrection and the life he who believes in me though he may die he shall live and whoever lives and believes in me shall never die third from Psalm 23 4 death is a journey not a destination it's a shadow not a reality death is lonely but you are never never alone and let me tell you something that's really cool in this psalm this is a little grammatical thing I want to share with you listen to me this is how this psalm is laid out in the first part of the psalm the shepherd psalmist is talking about the shepherd he's describing him here's how he talks he says he leads me he restores me he makes me to lie down in green pastures and then all of a sudden you get to the fourth verse and very abruptly the third person becomes the second person and David says you are with me he moves from he to you he quits talking about the shepherd and begins talking to him you are with me it's as if he's been talking about God and then in the midst of the shadows he realizes that God is right there 
and he begins to talk directly to him. An essay becomes an intimate conversation. It all makes beautiful sense if you've ever walked through the valley with anyone. You think about God and suddenly you find yourself caught up in a conversation with him. His presence suddenly changes your whole line of thought. Over the years, I've spoken to many, many people who were traveling their darkest road, and they've often told me that they were never more aware of the presence of God than when walking through that shadow. We don't have to be afraid because we might feel lonely, but we are not alone. I've counseled with many people as they have sat in death's waiting room and experience has proven to me that God makes his presence known as they walk through the valley. He reaches for their hand. He whispers words of comfort into their ears. And it's not limited to just the dying, but it's also for those who are grieving over the dying. They too walk through this valley and God reaches out to them as well. And the Bible is so filled with comfort for those who might be experiencing grief. Psalm 46, 1 through 2 says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Hebrews 13, 5 says, He himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. We must realize that when we experience death, either ourselves or with others that we love, we never walk that road alone. There's a wonderful story that I want to share with you as we close today that puts everything that I've said kind of in the context where I want it to be when we're finished. This story took place back in 1800. A man by the name of John Todd saw the significance and hope of death. Todd was a Vermont boy who lost both his parents at the age of six. He lost his brothers and sisters too because they were divided among relatives. And John was taken in by a kindly aunt and there he lived for 15 years until he left to study for the ministry. The years passed and he ended up becoming a very effective pastor. One day, he received a letter from the aunt who had raised him and she was dying knowing that he was a pastor she had the questions that all of us ask she said what is awaiting me in death is this the end and John could feel her anxiety in every line that she wrote and he loved her and sat down to answer her letter and he began the letter with the story of a little boy of six who had waited for the arrival of the woman who was going to become mother to him. And here's what he wrote. I can still recall my disappointment when instead of coming for me yourself, you sent your servant Caesar to fetch me. I remember my tears and my anxiety as perched high on your horse, clinging tight to Caesar, I rode off to my new home Night fell before we finished the journey and I became lonely and afraid. Do you think she'll go to bed before I get there? I asked Caesar anxiously. Oh no, he said. She'll surely stay up for you. When we get out of these here woods, you'll see her candle shining in the window. 
And then Todd said, presently we did ride out into the clearing and there sure enough was your candle. I remember you were waiting at the door that you put your arms close about me, a tired and bewildered little boy, and you had a big fire burning in the hearth and a hot supper waiting on the stove. And after supper, you took me to my new room and you heard my prayers and then sat beside me until I fell asleep. And then he made the transition. Someday soon, Auntie, God will send for you to take you to a new home. Don't fear the summons, the strange journey, or the dark messenger of death. God can be trusted to do as much for you as you were kind enough to do for me so many years ago. At the end of the road, you will find love and a welcome awaiting, and you will be safe in God's care. John Todd painted for his aunt a picture of new life that was as beautiful as any person could hope for. But I can assure you, it's not even close to the way it really is. When we finally close this gate and open the new one into God's presence, we will be wondering for eternity why we ever let death even cause us one moment of concern. For God loves us, and it has not yet dawned on us all of the good that he has in store for each of us. Now having said all of this, let me tell you something that's very important for you to hear. The provision that God has made for death, these wonderful promises and stories that I have told you, is only applicable to those who put their trust in Christ. If you want to go to heaven when you die, you have to do something about it in the here and now. You don't get to heaven and make a choice. Your choice has to be made here and now. The Bible says that you must place your trust in Jesus Christ. If you will believe in him, he will give you eternal life as your gift. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I want to urge you today, don't play chicken with death. Don't sit back there and say, well, I don't need to do this now. There's some other time I can do it. Listen, you're not going to ever hear another sermon like this the rest of your life because the next time a sermon like this is going to be preached, you won't hear it. (laughs) So will you take the opportunity of this moment to really ask yourself the question, am I ready to die? I don't mean physically. I mean spiritually. Are you ready to meet God? Because you can get ready and you can do it today and it's simply a matter of putting your trust in him. It's a matter of saying, I am going to decide to believe in Jesus Christ and his word and what he has done for me on the cross. Will you do that today? Will you say, look, I'm not going to play any more games with death. I am going to get ready today so that no matter how long I live or how short my life may be, I'm ready to meet God. Because what God has in store for those who put their trust in him is far beyond anything I have said to you today. But it's only for those who trust him. You say, well, that's pretty narrow. It's just as narrow as the word of God makes it. I didn't make up the script. God did. He's offering us today this wonderful opportunity to put our trust in him. Will you do it? That's a good question, isn't it? I never like to end a program without letting people know that 
You can know the Lord personally. Did you know that? He's made a way for you to have a relationship with your Creator. The Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sin. He wants to give you the gift of eternal life, which He provides for everyone who will confess their sin and ask Jesus Christ for forgiveness and accept Him as their personal Savior. This is a decision you make. I'm going to become a Christian. I'm going to put my trust in Christ. I'm going to invite Christ to take control of my life. And He will do that. You can make that decision, and you can tell the Lord that anywhere you are through a simple prayer. Invite Him to come and be your Savior. And then tell somebody what you've done, somebody you know who's walking with the Lord, so you have a partner in your journey. And uh, it will be worth it all. I, I trust that you will make that decision today. And we'll see you right here tomorrow for the next edition of Turning Point on this good station. We'll be here. Hope you will be too. Our message today came to you from Shadow Mountain Community Church and Senior Pastor Dr. David Jeremiah. We appreciate your notes of encouragement, so please write to Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098, RPO Sawasan, Delta, B.C., V4L2M4. Visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or call 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's new book, The Great Disappearance, 31 Ways to Be Rapture Ready. Informative and inspiring, it's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also stream more than 1,200 of Dr. Jeremiah's messages on demand on any screen with our streaming service, Turning Point Plus, for a monthly gift of any amount. Visit turningpointplus.org for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series, The Great Disappearance, on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. The rapture is God's promise that He'll return. If you want to learn how to be rapture ready, then be sure to order Dr. David Jeremiah's new book, The Great Disappearance. This fascinating glimpse into the next event on God's prophetic calendar is available for a donation of any amount to Turning Point. Donate $75 and you'll receive The Great Disappearance set. Donate $100 or more and you'll receive a three-book share pack. Get yours today at davidjeremiah.ca. In all we do each day, Dr. David Jeremiah and Turning Point work to make a global impact for the kingdom of God. But we can't do it alone. That's where Bible Strong Partners come in. These loyal monthly supporters form the foundation of Turning Point, allowing Dr. Jeremiah to teach the whole counsel of God. Partnering with Turning Point enables you to share in the eternal impact of this ministry, leading people to Christ through our media and printed resources, multiplying Bible teaching broadcasts, presenting the gospel around the globe, and strengthening the saints. In appreciation for your partnership, Turning Point wants to provide you with exclusive monthly resources and study guides, member-only communications, an on-demand library of study content, and so much more. Are you ready to see what the Lord will do? Let's expect to change the world together. Go to davidjeremiah.ca slash BibleStrong to become a BibleStrong partner today. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash BibleStrong. In 2013, students at a Colorado high school became known for their good works. For example, they raised money within the student body to help an eight-year-old boy who has a rare, incurable genetic disorder, funds to go toward his medical expenses. Giving is a good thing and a God thing. When we give, we reflect the image of God that all humans bear. 
God set the standard for giving sacrificially and generously when He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him might not perish but have eternal life. Whether you are a giver or a receiver today, give thanks to God for all His gifts. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's good gifts on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.